The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Sounds of the Anteater Kingdom on 88.9 FM KUCI in Irvine. Hello there, my name's Shane Burke, you're listening to Tech Talk here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Joining me today is Ravind Kumar. Did I get it right this time? Almost, Ravind. Ravind, I'm sorry. Don't worry about it, bro. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I told you I would mess it up. <laughs> so good, man. Before we went on air, we were um, discussing uh, how to pronounce Ravind's name, and I, I kept saying Ravind, mm-hmm. and then I finally got it right. And um, I told him that I'm going to mess it up on air, and I did. It's all good, man. I, uh, I, I definitely know myself. <laughs> um, I've been doing this a while. So, Ravind, I got it right. Yes, he did. Ravind is a um, student journalist here at UCI. He has an article that came out last week in the New University titled Internet Neutrality Sparks Concern. Uh, happy to have you on the program. Yeah, happy to be here. This is pretty awesome, honestly. Yeah, I, it's definitely a very unique show. We, we don't have very many um, tech shows on the radio, so yeah, man. I, it, it's, a, it's a topic that I, I really enjoy, and I know, our, obviously, our audience enjoys. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you actually got started at the New U. I know that you were, I looked you up online. You're a um, literary journalism major, right? Yeah. And a third year. Yeah, that's actually an interesting story right then and there. I did, uh, Tell it. Uh, before I got into college, I'd always anticipated doing computer science or computer engineering or some combination of the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, UCI had the two, UC, uh, CSE, computer science and engineering, so I ran for it, tried to do my best in it, but just crashed and burned. Math and physics just killed me. <laughs> uh, figures as much, right? I'm really good at playing computer games. I'm not as good as actually figuring out how they work. <laughs> Should have made that connection. But, yeah, uh, writing's the only other thing I've ever had. I was, when I was talking to my counselors, they basically told me, hey, you know, you got a good writing course here. You know, it's one of the courses you did really well, and why don't you try that out? Okay, so I got one course to decide the rest of my college on. I picked literary journalism, and it's just been amazing. Well, it's that's great. an incredible program, and I'm loving it, absolutely. That's great. But as far as the new you, um, actually, I am acquainted with uh, Tracy, uh, Tracy Garling Lee, I believe, who is one of the editors now, or... She's on the paper, and she was just like, hey, you know, we're always looking for writers. And then another friend of mine, Jason Davis, uh, shot me an email from the n- news list, and net neutrality was on there. Oh. And I was just like, well, there we go. <laughs> there you uh, go. Perfect. Emailed Stephanie Vatz about it, and she's like, yeah, sure, we'd uh, love to have you write. And I wrote, this is my f- actually first article writing for the New Year. I've published one or two others with the Anteater Review. Okay. Now, what's the Anteater Review? I've never heard of that. It's one of the other student publications on campus. It's a okay. much more conservative magazine. Uh-huh. And I think we they, we try to publish, like, quarterly, but it really depends on, you know, getting all our stuff together. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much all over the place. I would defy anyone to be able to define me politically. Now, do you still write for them at the yes, Anteater Review? And um, is it 
available online? If so, just I don't think it's available online. It's just in stands. I don't know if there's very many left right now because our last publication was sometime last quarter, I think. Okay. But they should still be. I think there's still some out by Humanities Gateway lying around. Okay, great. Good to know. So the, are they in the same things as the New Year? Yeah, those okay. uh, big wooden yeah. bins. Okay, the student publications. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so there you go. If you're around campus, check out the Anteater Review. Um, so now, are you actually like the the tech guy now at the New U? Uh, I don't know. I'd love the, to be. But you've got the best background for it, it sounds like. <laughs> um, I'm not sure, honestly. Like, I don't know whether they have anyone who's written tech for them in the past, although I think I've heard that they might be interested in that. Mm-hmm. I know most of the articles I write for the AR revolve around tech articles or opinions around, like, technology newses. So I'd love to take that angle, but I guess it just depends on how lucky I get from here on out. Okay. Good to know. Um so now, explain to people who, who have never heard this term what internet neutrality is or net neutrality. Well, to understand net neutrality, you have to understand net, internet. Mm-hmm. So at the very basic, the internet, I mean, we all use it. It's become like this integral core part of everyone's life. You can't go a day without it, usually. Yeah, I, I, I don't even think I could get like an entire day without Googling something. Yeah, you know. I'm like it, it, it's just even like a spell check, you know. <laughs> you just use it for everything. But at the, at the very, very, very core, the Internet is basically, it, it's a network. You've got to think like the post office. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just information flying across the entire world, connects every computer to every other computer. A little more complicated than that, but I think that's some crazy stuff we don't need to worry about yet. Uh, net neutrality is basically the idea that all traffic is free. Yeah, you know, when you get on the freeway, you got the carpool lane, right? That's that one special lane just for those people who drive two or more or are crazy enough to drive with one. Um, it without that imagine just you know like the 405 with five lanes of traffic just going straight mm-hmm. one way and then straight back the other way you know anyone can go anywhere that that's the idea essentially behind net neutrality all traffic is equal you're not allowed to touch it you're not allowed to mess with it just let it go and do its thing um where the debate i mean there's always been a debate about managing networks i mean you're not going to find a network administrator who says he's never managed his own network. That's ridiculous. You know, you have to. If you want to have an, even a slight bit of efficiency around your network, you've got to know how it's running. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the problems, like when this really burst into the public scene, in my opinion, is with this Comcast case that yeah. happened recently, well, relatively recently. What happened was BitTorrent, which I'm sure many people have heard of, um, it's a P2P program, allows you to send, download and upload large files across the network. It's a distributed system. It's a fantastic idea, actually. And I'm just going to interrupt you right there. P2P is peer-to-peer. Peer-to-peer, yeah. LimeWire, Kaza, all that fun stuff. Napster, when it was still awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so Comcast was looking at these BitTorrent packets. The problem with BitTorrent is most applications don't take up all your bandwidth. You know, if you have a 10 megabyte or 10 megabit connection, you know, part of it's going to go for web browsing, part of it might go for streaming, part of it might go for voice connections, whatever. BitTorrent, if you have a 10 megabit pipe, it's going to eat up your 10 megabit pipe, period. It'll take everything you can give it, unless you tell it not to. Mm-hmm. What Comcast was having a problem with is it was taking everything. And with these, with these uh, cable backbones, if you just had this huge pipe of BitTorrent traffic going through it, slow stuff down. So what Comcast decided to do was like, okay, we got we got to do something about this. Let's do some traffic shaping. We're going to shape this traffic down and throttle down the BitTorrent traffic so it doesn't eat our network. If they had just done that, I don't think it would have been as much of an issue. Where the issue came in, and this is really where it, it kind of gets hairy, is they went in 
to the BitTorrent packets as they were coming from your computer out. And if it had that BitTorrent packet on it, they sent it back to you with a reset. Mm -hmm. So they stopped your connections from going out. And this sparked some controversy because you're not supposed to do that. You're, you're not supposed to. You know, it's like going through someone's mail mm -hmm. and like opening it up to see what's in there. And if you don't like it, you send it back. Yeah. Can't do that. So Comcast got slapped down. And, you know, net neutrality advocates were like... You, up in arms. Yeah, because, <laughs> you know, you, you can't do that. You're not supposed to, like, look at packets and be like, no, this particular packet we don't like. Exactly. I mean, they've done that before with, like, DDoS packets, uh, denial of service stuff, you know, hacking stuff. Yeah, but that's more security. Probably. Yeah, in this case, it was purely because they wanted to control their networks, but they didn't do it right. Mm -hmm. It, it would have been one thing if they just took BitTorrent traffic in general and made it a lower priority. They didn't. They stopped your connection without telling their users. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was a big deal. So for a while, everyone was like, oh, yeah, net neutrality, we're cool. We're, we're making some steps forward. And then I think just recently, the uh, U.S. Uh, Court of Appeals told the FCC, you can't do that because there is no real regulation company over the ISPs, the Internet Service Providers. There's no one there. What the FCC can do is if there's law in existence that they can refer to, they can slap, you, can, you can slap down the ISPs. But there's nothing on net neutrality. So the appeals court was like, no, you know what, Comcast and all these other ISPs, it's their pipes. They can do what they want to your traffic. Can't stop you. Yeah. So it, they definitely took a more, like, corporate side because, the, you're, like you just said, there's no real regulation, no no enforcement arm to net neutrality. Yeah. It's just sort of like a a movement of people on the web, right? Yeah. A lot of, you know, open source programmers and stuff, they're big proponents of net neutrality. neutrality. but. But governments haven't really weighed in on that yet. Well, that, that's the thing. What does net neutrality mean? You know, I, I said, you know, it's, just, it's free traffic. What other people say, it's, it's an Internet where the government doesn't get involved. Uh -huh. uh, this is becoming an issue in Britain, the digital economy bill that was recently passed on basically under the table. It's real nasty stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you look it up, basically what it does is the government has set up its own, is going to be setting up its own little organization to, take, to keep track of piracy. ISPs who are found wanting have to like give customer information up to the government so that they can keep track of pirates. And people are up in arms about this because the government is essentially policing the internet. Yeah. I think it was either Sweden or Switzerland, I can't remember which one, tried to do this with email. They tried to, you know, check every email for a while, but that crashed and burned. You just can't do that. There's yeah. just not too much space. Yeah. China does this uh, with the great firewall of China. <laughs> you know, they want to make sure that whatever Google returns is uh, pro-government and not yeah. what have you. Iran as well. Iran as well. A lot of these Middle Eastern countries will block content based on what they feel is not in you know, connection to social norms. I forget what it's called. I was I, I listened to something on another radio station about this, um, but there's a website that will actually determine whether the content you're going to get, it's a, like a search engine, but it will determine whether the content you get is, is um, like, consistent with Islamic law. Sorry, that's an aside, but uh, an interesting yeah. one, I think. Yeah, I, absolutely. And it's, it's that's part, I, th I think, we're, we're with all these uh, open source programmers and stuff like that, I think that's the ideological debate. Mm -hmm. Who has a right to touch the Internet? Period. Where the ISPs are coming from, I think, is separate. They're coming, and, and, and this is my problem with most of the debate around net neutrality, is everyone's like, no, we want a free Internet. No one can touch us. Every, we can do whatever we want. And the ISPs are like, but we don't have the hardware for it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, they do. We're slowly phasing in fiber. I mean, Verizon does this with our Fios service. But... You know, little by little, we're getting there. We're catching up to the rest. We ha we're catching up to the rest of the world in terms of internet infrastructure, which is sad. Yeah. But p 
part, part of the problem is if you look at the way things are expanding now, like with my internet connection at home, you know, with Cox, I, we have to use Cox here in Irvine. You know, I get cable, phone, uh, and TV all on one pipe. Yeah. Which is killing those networks. Because when you start streaming video and audio and phone and, you know, now we're getting high-definition video streaming online. Online, too, yeah. Yeah. So, so you can like, two video feeds, yeah. basically. So y- you can imagine, like, the average household, you know, you've got... Somebody's out on the 360, you know, hitting up Xbox Live. Somebody else is using Netflix to stream movies. You've got Hulu in high definition. Someone else is doing a Skype chat. Mm-hmm. And then in the middle of this, one other dude's playing World of Warcraft and <laughs> screaming because his ping is dying. Yeah. Um, the Internet household is a frightening thing. You can, do, you can connect your house over the Internet to all kinds of interesting services, but you, you, you can imagine what the ISPs are. They're, they're tearing their hair out because, like, we've got to manage our network somehow. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, what net neutrality is saying, these uh, EFF, uh, I think the Electronic Federation or something, but I can't remember the acronym, but the EFF, I know, is one of them, basically is like, you know, if the ISPs get a hold of our networks, they're going to make everything slow unless you pay extra for it, and YouTube will be amazing, but your blog will die. And what the ISPs are saying, well, if we don't do anything, it's going to happen anyways. Yeah. So. So it's a... It's a difficult debate, I think, yeah. right? Because on one hand, you've got proprietary products going on because these are corporations, yeah. and they want to protect their intellectual property. And so no one else really knows whether what they're saying is actually true. And then, like you mentioned earlier, in, Co- in Irvine, you only have Cox because you've got government saying, you know, assigning these contracts to only one company, and there's basically like a monopoly for them in a yeah, certain area. There is, so there absolutely. isn't a lot of competition. And so I think as consumers, as, as web consumers, um, and also of other media formats as well, like you were just talking about, there's concern. Yeah, and that whole idea of competition, this is one of the biggest issues, I think, in terms of like one of the problems with net neutrality advocacy. It's like, oh, well, you know, it should be fine. We'll just free market it. We'll just free market it. And, you know, if one ISP, we don't like how they're doing it, we'll jump to another ISP. There's no free market. Mm-hmm. There's four ISPs you can choose from right now. I think it's uh, Cox, uh, Com- not four, it's Cox, Comcast, Time Warner, Verizon, AT&T. Uh, there might be some smaller ones I've here and there, depending, but that's it. You know, Here in Irvine, you got Cox. Yeah. If they do something you don't like, you know, you're screwed. Yeah. You, you just got to bend over and take it. There's nothing you can do about it. But, and, and you can see what causes a problem. You know, a free market only works if there's a free market. <laughs> yeah. If you're stuck with one particular ISP and that you know that ISP is going to do whatever the heck they want, there's no incentive for that ISP to do things that are not favorable for them. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not to say all ISPs are terrible. Like, Verizon is by far one of my favorite ISPs. I love their service. Fantastic ISP. Cox I have some issues with, yeah, but it's no big deal. Do I wish I could jump ship? Absolutely. I can't. Yeah. And i got to deal Other, with that. Because otherwise you just don't have the internet. The internet. And, and, and television and yeah. phone and all that. Yeah, I guess you could get phone dish or yeah. what have you, but yeah, you know, it, you need that competition. There, yeah. there really isn't. You go to Europe, you go to uh, yeah, you go to Europe or any other place. You know, even phone companies. You know, here we've got four. Mm-hmm. You go to Europe, there's all kinds of phone companies. If you don't like the one you want, you can get another one. Yeah, and things work out really well. It you know balances out. You start seeing a lot more competition here. The most competition we get is, like, do I want an iPhone on AT&T or a Droid on Verizon, and do I want to be stuck to it for four years? Yeah. That, that's not competition. Exactly. My friends, that is, you're, you're 
being tied down to one, one, one particular yeah, company, I mean, one service. And you know, once you t- pick a phone company, you're pretty much stuck with it. Yeah. Because you don't want to be changing phones every two years. That's just terrible. <laughs> exactly. Um, so this, this is actually a good point to bring up that uh, this is the last day for our fund drive here at KUCI. Um, of course, KUCI is a totally nonprofit um, organization. We get a little bit of money from UCI, but not enough for all of our funding. So we're trying to raise $15,000. We only bother you with this um, uh, one time out of the year. Uh, so we encourage you to donate. Uh, we've got a couple different levels. If you call in, uh, uh, the people that are answering the phones will be able to tell you all about them. We've got a $40 pledge, which is like our, our um, anniversary pre- pledge, if you will, because KUCI is 40 years old uh, this year. So I encourage you to uh, try to give at, at one of the levels that they specify, and you get uh, prizes and things like that. So um, support KUCI and and all of the programming that we give you. This show, like I, I was saying earlier, definitely would not be on a, a traditional radio station that has commercial interests and um, and uh, people saying what is uh, popular and what's not. Mm-hmm. Um, this is definitely kind of a niche show. So if you're listening to this show and you enjoy it, uh, support KUCI. We'd really appreciate it. Um, also on KUCI, you've got all kinds of music that... Uh, Definitely isn't uh, commercially popular, but um, we've got some very passionate people playing stuff from all around the world. We're in Studio B today, so um, we've got our whole world section, which is very impressive, um, as well as classical and and all sorts of things that you definitely wouldn't hear on a traditional commercial radio station. So we ask you for your support. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. Uh, Kumar is going to be with me uh, Again, once again, he's the author of an article in last week's New University called Internet Neutrality uh, Sparks Concern. And we'll be right back after some messages and some music. All right, and we're back. I'm Shane Burke. You're listening to Tech Talk here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Uh, Joining me is Kumar. He's the editor, excuse me, the author of a recent article in the New U from last week's New U titled Internet Neutrality Sparks Concern. And um, so we, we were talking about what net neutrality is and, and all of this. Um, I have one question for you about, you did some interviews with students around campus. Yep. Um, a lot of students, what do uh, most students think about this and um, how much does the average student actually know about net neutrality? I think the second one is more important than the first because a lot of people have heard of net neutrality, at least in passing. I believe uh, last week, uh, I think, or the week before, two weeks ago maybe, there was, another, there was an editorial on net neutrality that was published, if I'm not mistaken. In the new you. In the new you. I think it was uh, two weeks ago. I think the issue before mine mm-hmm. um, in which the editor basically outlined the, more, the, the uh, advocacy point of view of net neutrality. And I think... Of the students I asked, those who did know, that's the view they thought, like, oh, well, it's that thing where, you know, the uh, government's going to take over our Internet or, you know, we're going to have to pay more for Internet or, you know, they're going to mess with our Internet. That, that's as general as it gets. Mm-hmm. In terms of, like, how much do they actually know about it, the, the technical bits, the giblets, I suppose, <laughs> of net neutrality, I don't think a lot of people go into that because in order to really understand it, you have to understand how networking works. Mm-hmm. And I don't think most people know how their computer connects to the wireless network on school, much less how that goes out from there. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I know anything about it is I took networking courses, and that's, that's kind of where you got to be to figure some of this stuff out, um, which is disappointing, honestly, because it's a hu- it is an issue. 
it's an issue for our generation especially because we're, we're, we're an internet generation. Almost all of our social media is based around the internet. All of our phones are based around the internet. Everything yeah. revolves around it. If we're not informed, if we're not very well informed about it, the people who will be making decisions will also not be well informed about it. Yeah. Uh, and this is a topic where I agree 100% with you because this is, and that's really why this show exists. You've got so many people that, you know, use Facebook and, and applications like that. And instead of um, making a difference and being very proactive and, and creating something new that other people can use and, and learning how to program for themselves, they're just kind of going along with what other people have designed. And I think it, it would empower people if they all have a little bit of, of Internet savvy as far as actually building a website um, and also just being able to protect yourself online and uh, obviously understanding these issues as well. So I, I definitely agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of like, because like, I used to do tech work too. I did, used to do computer repair. I've worked for a computer company. I've done tech support. It's almost depressing how little people know about one of the computers, which are arguably the most important part of our lives at this point in mm -hmm. general. Yeah. You know, you can't use anything that doesn't have some form of computer chip in it. And people just don't know. And it's sad when you see, like, especially as a tech, like, I know for a pack, fact that I would go out there and I'd help out people who'd been scammed hmm. by other techs into spending hundreds of dollars on services that they didn't need because they didn't know. Yeah. And I think with net neutrality, it's the same problems, especially among students. They don't know. So they might, you know, go all the way to the left and say, like, no, net, no, you know, internet regulation, none of this. And then, you know, maybe five years down the line, you know, we start seeing some serious network congestion. They're, who are they going to turn to blame then? You know, they're not going to look at themselves and say, oh, well, looking back then, maybe we didn't know as much as we should have. Yeah. It'll just be another bigger problem that we have to argue about again. And I, I think the bigger issue you talked about is if the society isn't informed, then the politicians are informed. informed. Yeah, that's... And, and then you start actually formulating and, and voting in very bad policies that are actually detrimental. Terrible policies. And, and that works in general. But you look at England. Yeah. Uh, recently, one of the lords in the House of Lords was talking about the Digital Economy Bill. That's their new internet policing bill, basically. And in his letter, he referred to IP as intellectual property address. <laughs> For you know, any listeners who don't know, your IP address is your internet protocol address. Yeah. Think of it like your address to your house, but for your computer. Uh, and these guys, you know, these guys are so inundated with this media company, IP, IP, intellectual property. We got to protect our, they're actually confusing it with the internet term itself. Yeah. And when that, you know, and they just drafted a bill that essentially arguably, uh, over, like places them in charge of the internet for all intents and purposes. So those are the kind of idiots that are running the show. Over yeah. There. Yeah. And you know, why are, why is that allowed? You, you have to wonder. And if you look back here in the U.S., who are our politicians who really know anything about net neutrality? There's plenty of them who will speak up for it, but you'll find that most of them don't know anything about it. Yeah. Who are the people who are speaking up? Professors, usually. Uh, the professor I uh, reference in mind, yeah. uh, Professor Scott Jordan, fantastic, fantastic person. Like, talking to him, it was great. He, I had a lot of misconceptions about net neutrality that hel he helped me correct. Mm -hmm. And... And I, really, those are the voices we should be listening to, the people who really know about this stuff. Yeah. Rather than either the advocacy or the, uh, what would the opposite of advocacy be? Uh, the um, protractors? <laughs> yeah, I guess. The protractors or detractors of a particular subject. We really need to talk to the people who know, mm -hmm. the, the, the professors, the researchers, the guys who are out there being like, okay, both of you guys are idiots. You know, you try to look ahead for a second yeah. here. We're all wearing blinders. 
Um, so yeah, as I, as I was interviewing students, that was probably the most disappointing thing about it. It's just what people did know was limited. And on that limited knowledge, some people get very passionate. Yeah. And when you're passionate about very little, chances are you're missing the point. You're yeah. probably going to end up doing more damage than you are to do good. Absolutely agree. So now, for I think you talked to at least one student who who had an idea of what it was. Um, what does the average student think about net neutrality? In general, do they agree with it? Most of them aren't happy about the idea of paying more. Yeah. No one well, wants no to one pay is. more. But one thing, and this was, I was a little surprised to hear this, and it's like, well, if I didn't like it, I'd change. Mm-hmm. And I heard this once or twice. I'm like, well, if I didn't like it, I'd change. And I, I wanted to ask, you know, wh- what if there's only ISP, one ISP in the area? And they're like, well, yeah, but if I wanted to, I would change. Which is a, a warm feeling in my heart. Like, okay, so we uh, there are still some consumers among us, yeah. some intelligent consumers among us, that know, you know, if you don't like something, you stop using it. You know, you got to w- vote with your wallet with a lot of this kind of stuff. But, yeah, like that, that was probably as far as I got for the people who did know. Yeah, so they, they know that they don't like it, but beyond that, there's this, this, this vague, great big cloud because the only time we really hear about it in papers is when there's a court case, and no yeah. one likes looking through court cases. Those are, <laughs> those are, they're incredibly complicated and long-winded, and more often than not, they're vaguer than the law that they're trying to correct. So now, when you guys are like writing about that sort of stuff, you actually have to read all the court cases and all that? We try to. Oh, uh, in the, with, the, with the Comcast case, at the very least, I've been keeping track of it, so I do have some knowledge of what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, Professor Jordan also helped fantastic like just really helped me get an idea of what went on there even just reading the court abstract can give you something yeah but yeah especially when it comes to legal stuff if you're not reading the bill itself you shouldn't be commenting on this and i take that as an abstract yeah i i I absolutely agree with you on that as well um so now when people were informed that um like let's say they didn't know about net neutrality and then you inform them well uh this could mean that people are going to uh charge you more for services like YouTube and stuff, then they really kind of had a problem with it, right? If they didn't know anything, they didn't, they said, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Is that generally what you found? Yeah. I'm not generally what I found. It's all, it's all mixed. Like, that's the one nice thing about ECI, I guess, is there are some pretty well-informed readers. Mm-hmm. And I think that article from the week before probably helped at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it, like I said, the most disappointment I have is when you hear someone who not only doesn't care, but doesn't want to care. Yeah. And that's really bad because I, I think that's sort of, uh, I, I can't think of the word right now, but our, that's something else our generation is famous for. You know, it's just, we don't care. Yeah. And when we do care, we're caring in the wrong direction. <laughs> and you know what the end result of that is going to be is by the time we realize it's a problem, it's beyond our scope to fix. Um, in your opinion, is it reasonable to think the Internet will be completely neutral? Yeah, no. Because I, I, in terms of ideally, I believe that information should be free. Mm-hmm. You know, access to information should be unfettered. Granted, yes, you have to take accounts for national security. Um, you know, this whole WikiLeaks thing where people were arguing that you know it might be an issue of national security if we continue to let state secrets leak out. You know, the state secrets that have leaked have not been of national security, but of public you know issues, and the media has jumped all over it. No. 
I don't care like if they're releasing stuff about like you know politicians having sex in like coffee shops, <laughs> or whatever. That's or that, the SEC thing, or the SEC thing. That's something we need to know about. That's not national security. Now you know if WikiLeaks starts da- uploading data where our troop movement is, yeah. I'm going to be like, eh, you know what? I think those boys deserve better than that. Mm-hmm. But something does need to change in terms of how we view the internet. One of the things I liked about Professor Jordan's solution is like put power, more power to the people. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as we're going to have to pay more for the internet we're already getting, we might as well do it properly. Like me personally, I like the, uh, you know, fast lane sort of ideology. I think that's fantastic, like a, a pretty good idea. You know, I have my normal internet. If I want to pay more for prioritized, tra- prioritized traffic, yeah, you know, gaming, I'd love to have like a special fast lane just for me. I'd, pump, I'd probably pony up a few bucks for that. Do I think that it should be up to the ISP to decide where my fast lane is or what I can put onto it? No. So now, I I'm, I read your article a little while ago. What what exactly was his specific solution? Was it to have separate channels? Is his that what it his was? specific solution abstracted it, which because that's the best as I could understand it with what time I had with him, or uh, for the scope of the article at least, um, is basically you got to think of it kind of like you know your phone package. Mm-hmm. You know you you buy the bundles the port the parts you want. If you're all you know web traffic and email and you don't really care about streaming, why would you pay extra for streaming? doesn't make any sense uh but on the other hand if you love watching youtube and whatever but so you want to tack that on there but maybe you're not a youtuber maybe you just like using skype a lot tack that on there you know and build your own internet mm-hmm. so one you have to stay well informed you have to because you, you, if you're not well informed you're, it's going to be a struggle until you figure out where your package is at one way or another you'll learn um the other nice thing about it is it should increase competition because if an ISP does something that you don't like, you know, they start deciding, well, you know, we have a deal with YouTube. So if you get our special YouTube package, you get more YouTube. And, you know, if people don't like it, they're going to lose money on it and then they're, they're not going to do it. Conversely, I mean, or in the same line of thinking, you know, if a particular company has really bad packages, no one's going to shop with them. And that, that ISP is going to have to make changes. So one nice thing about his particular model is that it puts a lot of power in the consumer's hands, which is where it should be when it comes to dealing with businesses. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I also think that, um, wasn't there a, I think it was also with Comcast where Comcast was directing traffic to their particular advertisers. Mm -hmm. Was that also with Comcast? It probably was with Comcast, but in general, that's one of the fears, you know, the ISPs will try to put their services on top of other services, you know, self-interest. Yeah. That's, you know, obviously if I'm using Cox, um, their Cox digital phone subscriber line is going to be higher priority than my Vonage system that I might have set up. Okay, you know, gotcha. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the right. I think it should be a free pipe. If I want, you know, digital phone service, just give me freaking digital phone service. Don't bother me about what I'm using. But, yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. round and round and round. Definitely, definitely. Um, all right, so joining me is Kumar from the New University. He titled, uh, uh, excuse me, he wrote an article in last week's New U called Internet Net, in- excuse me, Internet Neutrality <laughs> Sparks Concern. Yeah, tongue twisted there. Um, well, we keep calling it net neutrality, so that was my... Yeah, yeah. But obviously, Internet is net. Um, uh, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Uh once again, I'd like to take the opportunity to encourage you to donate to KUCI. This is the last, uh, I believe this is second to last show. Um, Jeff's show is going to be the last show that is uh, uh, open to fund drive. So hopefully you guys uh, will support us. Uh, there's a couple different levels that you can sub- uh, donate at, and uh, you also get some neat things. Help keep us on the air. We've got all kinds of 
great material here, great music, and great uh, topics on our, our on our PA show. So we encourage you to uh, uh, give us a call and donate whatever you can. Uh, once again, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We'll be back with Kumar, and we're going to be talking about a couple different topics now. We're going to be moving away from net neutrality. We're going to be talking about uh, the hacking case of uh, Sarah Palin's email account. We're going to be talking about iPods, uh, that, that lost iPod that was found by Gizmodo, and then uh, kind of some information was leaked there. And uh, the, the whole controversy with the Facebook privacy policy, that's going to be next here on Tech Talk on KUCI. All right, and we're back. Joining me is Kumar uh, from the New University. He wrote an article called Internet Neutrality Sparks Concern. Finally, I got it right. Um, uh, So we're actually moving away from neutrality here. Um, And now we're going to be talking about that privacy dispute on Facebook. So this kind of like really got got, um, traction on like the 24-hour news networks. I I saw it there. And um, uh, basically the issue here is that Facebook has a new program. Let me click on here. Excuse me for a second. Yeah, it's fine. I think it's the instant personalization uh, feature is what it is now. You're absolutely correct. That's what it's called, the instant personalization program and uh, pilot program. And uh, it's basically with uh, three sites. I believe it's I know Yelp, Yelp, and I don't remember the other two. I don't remember either. I'll click on it. <laughs> um, but basically, it's it's a situation where... Um, Facebook is allowing you to network with your friends in cooperation with some corporate sponsors. So whenever you go to those uh, third-party sites, um, a little box pops up and says, "Do you want your friends are using this? Would you like to connect with them and, and share what you're, what what you're buying on on this site?" So um, right now, the controversy is about this this box um, that's kind of buried deep in Facebook. Um, in the privacy settings, and it's selected by default. Um, so, in other words, it's an opt-out policy, which if you listen to Mari's show, you you understand that term. Um, how, where do you stand on this? You know, it's, it's kind of one of these things where it's not... I think you also have to agree on the third-party sites that you do want to continue with yeah, this, Yeah, you right? do. In fact, at the top, when I first hit Yelp, I didn't know about instant personalization until I hit Yelp, and Yelp was like, hey, we're using Facebook to customize your page. Uh, click up here if you want to get rid of this. And looked at it, it already had where I was, you know, kind of had an idea of what I like to eat. Mm-hmm. And it had already, you know, like had a, which I thought was like, hey, you know, that that's pretty awesome. Now, explain what Yelp is. Okay, so, so just so you guys know, uh, Yelp is like a food aggregator. Basically, it's just a bunch of food reviews. You can search like, oh, I want Italian food in Los Angeles, and I want it to be cheap as hell so I can get indigestion. <laughs> and it'll give you everything you need with reviews. It's a fantastic site. Like, uh, it's absolutely great. I wish it had more information on the restaurants, like websites and menus, but I think it's up to the restaurants to offer that up, yeah. and, I guess. But it's a fantastic site. And, you know, plug, plug, plug. Yeah. And <laughs> so it's basically, um, th- w- to get back to, like, the instant personalization pilot program, um, it's about what you're eating. Is that what they're sharing? Is that really that I don't big think of it's eating. Security? So far, it seems to be locale. Okay. It looks like locale. And whether Facebook ha- can give enough information, in ter- like, maybe if your interests, like, you know, you have the interest box on your f- profile. Mm-hmm. Maybe it has some, There's I think there's a favorite foods box, isn't there? Or no, there isn't. There's, like, books and movies um, and TV and crap. Maybe. I don't know. But like, let's no, see I if, think there's a favorite foods. If there's something like that, you know, it, they might be able to say like, hey, you know, this guy really likes Vietnamese food. When you go to Yelp, all of a sudden it's like, you know, hey, look, Vietnamese personalized food. for Vietnamese food. Right. So it's like in that sense, it's like, hey, you know, this isn't a bad idea. I can at least opt out of it. Um, 
I don't know why people are getting so angry about, you know, Facebook sharing, you know, like putting your personal information up like this when you are just as likely to go on Twitter and complain about the size of your bowel movement from the night before. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we're so ridiculously social. I mean, Twitter, uh, Facebook updates, which can be ridiculous sometimes. They have services. I think Blippi is one of them or something like that, where you can, like, show... Consolidate everything. Yeah, right? consolidate, like, all... And, like, you can put all your, you know, what you've bought... Now, who you bought it for, what you're planning on doing oh, that week. that's the credit card one, Yeah, the right? credit card one. Well, yeah, what happened with, the, on a separate note, what happened with this Blippi program is you could Google it and pull up other people's purchases along with their full credit card number. Oh, their credit the card full number? credit card number. Is that new? Because I, I, I remember hearing about it. It was not the... supposed to happen. Oh, it was okay. a security glitch through Google because Major of the way one. Google, yeah, because of, I think, Google indexing. Yeah. It basically indexed every purchase down to the full credit card number. <sighs> The only thing it was lacking was the CCV, the security number. Thank God. But they're, they're going to be in trouble for that. I haven't heard anything about it since, and that might be an indication. <laughs> yeah, I actually... Well, I'll, uh, during the next break, I'll, I'll actually navigate to their site to see what happened with that. But, yeah, they got... I, that was... Yeah. Because I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, but I, I remember... I think it was on Daily Tech uh, wrote about it. I, I think it was Blippi, but basically you could Google... Do a little Google algorithm search and, like... Yeah, card numbers. Because I know that they're the ones that are allowing you to give them their credit card numbers, and then any purchases you make can be kind of like create a feed. Yeah. So I, I don't know why people are complaining. If we're willing to share everything on the internet, why are we surprised when the internet begins to adapt? <laughs> yeah. If you're willing to share your credit card information Mission with the online, website, all this other. So yeah, I don't understand why people are really like. Yeah, you know, I wish Facebook was a little bit more. Hey, you know, instant personalization coming. It should be an opt-in program. Yeah. It really should be an opt-in program. Same thing with this whole Google index. People can search you on Facebook now. Should have been opt-in. Yeah. Uh, and it's not like Facebook doesn't always already redirect ads. Like, you know, those ads on the side, they are directed ads. All yeah. ads are. Like, I know on my Facebook, I do a lot of shooting. It's one of my hobbies. And I start seeing on the side military uh, ads <laughs> for mine. I'm like, okay, so obviously they're paying attention here. There's an algorithm running somewhere around there, keeping yeah. an eye out for things. I don't have a problem with it. Because it's not like Facebook is, like, selling. Maybe they are. I don't know. If they, if they might it, be soon. Yeah, they might be. If they actually, this, this, I think a lot of the concern is that this is a segue into that. This is yeah. a segue into... Um, selling you know, from this is obviously great for businesses you mm -hmm. know all this kind for of all advertising yeah. yeah well like it also depends on what they sell if they sell you know my last name where i li like the city i live in and a couple of my interests you know that doesn't say anything about me i don't think anyone can steal my identity knowing that i own four rifles yeah like i don't think that's going to get you very far so whatever but if they start you know like oh well here's his birthday just so you know like okay so now we're getting creepy yeah and now we're now we're uh, getting internet stalkerish and that's yeah. a little weird don't like that as much. Definitely don't like that as much. But other than that, you know, I can't imagine, like, if they do this right, you know, what would be the issue of, hey, you know, not only is Facebook great for keeping up with your friends, but when you're browsing around with the Internet, the Internet will re recognize you. Mm -hmm. Now, this is just like going into your favorite store and the owner saying, hey, you know, I got something that I think you'll really like. Now, when you go into Yelp or maybe, you know, someday they'll get hooked up on Auto Trader or Newegg or any of these other Amazon and all of a sudden, you log on to Amazon. It's like, hey, you know, Amazon's working with Facebook. We heard that recently you've been looking for a new iPod. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Yeah. I, I think one of the problems, though, for, for, some, like for, for me as a, as a developer um, and just having our security talk with Neil, um, there's definitely a concern as just a user for the possibility of things like C-Surf and, and, you know, specific attacks that people could use on third-party sites, but 
if you're kind of like developing other sites to kind of interact with each other, it, it definitely creates a situation where I don't know whether this is the actual site doing this or whether this is actually some sort of attack. attack yeah. And that, and that's one of the things that makes me personally nervous, but I definitely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. People should actually have the choice. I think the problem with this is that it's, a, it's an it's opt-out. It's really buried, yeah. yeah. But in terms of that, like the security holes, yeah, I think a lot of this is going to come down to how Facebook and these companies decide to bridge that gap, like that data gap. Yeah. I mean, if it's a, partic- if it's a particularly secure connection, I mean, unless you got a pretty dedicated hacker... I mean, and, and, and at that point, we can't say, well, you didn't do anything, everything you wanted to do. You tried, and then a hacker got it anyways, and then we can start arguing about that. But, yeah, I think it really does come down to how Facebook implements this. Like, if this goes down in flames, then it goes down in flames, and it'll probably be because it wasn't implemented properly. If it's implemented really well, securely, and in a, a hopefully a developer-friendly way, mm-hmm. I think the controversy will die away. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um so, you know, hopefully, you know, maybe they'll they'll change to be an opt-in program instead. Or in the future, they'll start doing that. Who knows? Um, uh, if you want to... Uh, and by the way, I, I looked this up. Uh, the other um, websites that are using this are Pandora, Yelp, and MicrosoftDocs.com. So those are the other... Pandora? That's not, actually, I wouldn't mind Pandora. Yeah, actually, that does actually sound kind of cool. Cool, right? Um, but... Uh, so just for your knowledge, and if you want to turn this off, you just log into your account, you go into uh, account, and then go down to privacy settings, and then go down to the very bottom of that page, which says instant personalization pilot program. Click on that, and then you have to unclick a, uh, a checkbox. So if you're interested in turning it off, that's how you would do that. Um, we'll be right back with Kumar. We're, uh, it, it, just to introduce, tell you who he is, he's a writer for the New University. He wrote an article called Internet Neutrality Sparks Concern, and we're kind of talking about all of the uh, tech issues of the day. Um, <laughs> next, we're going to be talking about that um, Sarah Palin uh, email hacking case. Oh, that poor guy. And um, uh, we'll be talking about that next. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We'll be right back after these messages. Okay, and we're back. You're listening to Tech Talk uh, here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Shane Burke. Joining me is Kumar. He is a writer for the New University here at UCI, and he just wrote an article in last week's New U called Internet Neutrality Sparks Concern. Uh, We're talking about all the tech topics that have occurred over the past couple weeks. Now we're going to be talking about uh, Sarah Palin and that email hacking case. Um, I forget the guy's name, but he... um, He's in trouble. He he is. He, he's actually in court right now. Sarah Palin um, uh, went to testify just the other day. And um, I guess the, the major concern is about these new security protocols. Well, I guess they're not new, but the security protocol where you can actually answer people's questions or uh, use personal questions and answer them. But those questions could be part of the public domain and then people could gain access to your account. And that's basically what he did. Where do you what do you think about that? I one like I disagree with what he did. Like I don't think I, I I don't like the idea of you know like you know he hacked into her personal email files. You know even if it was a prank, you know I think one I think it's pretty immature and two he should have known the consequences. That's not something you can get away with very easily. This isn't you know this isn't Joe the plumber we're hacking into here. <laughs> this is a, a vice presidential candidate. That, that's pretty big. Do I think she's an idiot for not picking better security questions? Yeah, I mean. You know, something like an email account is really, really important. There's a lot of stuff in there. Like, God knows what they could have found. God knows what he did find. 
when he decided to post it up. You know, and to all the users out there, you know, when you when you do have an option to u- choose those security questions, be smart mm-hmm. about that kind of stuff. You know, privacy. If you want to be secure on the internet, you have to take the time to have a, a really good set of defenses. So, you know, when it's like, what is your first daughter's name? You shouldn't actually put in your first daughter's name if everyone knows it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not smart. Um, so, but yeah, I, you know, as much as I disagree with the guy's decision, like, I, I don't think he should have done that, I really disagree with what they're slamming him with. Like, I think he's looking at 50 years, at the yeah. worst, in prison with felonies. And listen, this guy's just out of college, I think. Yeah, he, I, I think, oh, maybe he hasn't graduated yet. But he he's in college in Tennessee, or he yeah. might have just recently graduated, or he was in college when he did it. I think. Yeah, I think that's what it was. But can you like can you imagine that if this kid goes down for the maximum, sentence, which he probably will, because it's Tennessee and they love Sarah Palin there. <laughs> the, the the evidence against him is insurmountable. I mean, they yeah. they've got everything they need. It's just a question of how badly they're going to slam him with it. Yeah. Even at the worst, even if they dropped him in there for ten years, he's going to have felonies. On top of his 10-year sentence, felonies for hacking. Yeah. If he's trying to become a developer at a software company, he's never going to get hired for that. Yeah. And I think one of the um, big issues here is that it looks like this was politically motivated, which I I don't think people are very um, keen with, especially right now given the current political environment, because he was actually a – he's the child of a Democratic state senator, I think. So – there's definitely concern that this is um, kind yeah. of like the new face of politics, where there's no holds bar, and um, you know you can get access to people's personal information. I, I think the the intent was to find something political. He didn't find that, and then it ended up just kind of being a release of some of her personal information, yeah, which is never all right for anybody. You yeah, know? but it was mostly stupid stuff. But yeah, yeah. I mean, per, like yeah, you know, politically motivated. If I'm not mistaken. God, I might be wrong about this, but I think one of the charges is like it was intended, like his intent was to malign the election or something like that, or he was doing it in order to like ruin her. Mm-hmm. You know, malicious intent. This was hacking in malicious intent, which is a big deal. Yeah, and yeah, I think this is really politically motivated. I don't think a a college grad deserves fifty years in prison for what's really a stupid mistake. Yeah, I don't know if this is going to be a jury trial. I really hope they take it easy on him. Like, I'm pretty sure he's already you know crapped himself enough for one lifetime. <laughs> like from what I've heard, like in some of the people who've been already reviewing this, he basically looks like he's half dead. He's just so freaked out about this entire thing. I mean, he's looking at spending half of his life in prison because of this, because of one email hack. Yeah. Um, but you know, people definitely should not uh, give this a try. Obviously, we're learning from him not to do it. Yeah. Um, my God. Even though we uh, investigate certain uh, hacking techniques on this show, you should not employ any of them. Even though Neil said you should. To um, better improve your security, do well, it on your own program. Yeah, that's How's the thing. That sound? <laughs> that, 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 that's the thing. If you're going to be running around using programs like what, what was the one? Backtrack, I think, is one popular suit. Um, I think so. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to be doing network testing on your own home network, go for it. Yeah. You know, if you want to hack your own email account, props to you. You know, if you're going to go after your professor, chances are not you, good. You know, if you get caught, and, and don't give me, you know, oh well, I just won't get caught. Well, that's probably what he thought too. Yeah. You know. If you do something stupid enough and it's a big enough of a deal or someone makes it a big deal and you get caught, you know, cyber warfare, uh, one of the things about the Internet that is uh, Internet crimes, uh, they're not they're, – there's law for it now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of law for it now. If you get busted for doing something bad on the Internet, it's just as bad as if you had done it in real life more often than not. So like stealing that email, you know, hacking into that email – 
I mean, it's just as bad as if you had broken into her house. Yeah. Um, in the law's eyes, um, of course, um, there's all these issues with respect to um, uh, whether – so I think you said earlier that kind of she's to blame and he's to blame. But I think there's also a message here for developers. We need to, to make sure that we implement good security and, you know, maybe these, these questions, these simple – because most websites they give you a drop down drop down list of questions, questions that you can have, yeah you can you can answer. So, you know, like you said, you have an option of answering incorrectly, but you've got to remember your incorrect answer if you ever yeah lose um, your password information or forget it or something. Or maybe we could let people decide what questions they want to ask. You know, but That's, then they have to remember the questions. Well, they would have a field where they could type in the questions. Oh. So that could be a possible solution. But in general, these things are um, very, very difficult uh, things to develop for. And uh, check out OWASP because they definitely have some uh, interesting things to say about that. I've been reading about all of these because I'm building a login system right now, and it's uh, a lot of interesting stuff. And um, it's it's tough to build the security stuff. Like, it is. I, I know one thing that certain very secure sites do is like you know the whole capitalization. You know, it's got to be eight characters long. You have to have one uppercase, at least one number, and one special character. Mm-hmm. And you know when you have those kind of complicated passwords, you're likely to forget them. But, exactly. Or write them down, and, and then, then someone, someone could someone easily else, find. Yeah, them. but I especially mean, if you're a student and living with a dorm uh, mate or dorm something. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and in terms of the, the security questions, I mean, you know, if it asks you what is your first car. You know, be a little creative. Yeah. You know, don't type in red. It's yeah. a bad idea. Don't type in Ford. You know, all those things are a bad idea. But if you know, what is your first car? If you remember the year of the model. Yeah, that that would be. A good that, one. That's much harder for people to track down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not as likely to be public. The dealer you bought it from. You know, be a little creative with this kind of stuff, and you'd be surprised. Um, you know, the more specific the information is, the less likely someone else generally would know it. Exactly. Good advice. Good. Good to know. Um, and something we encourage all of you, if you're faced with, you know, one of these these uh, systems where you have to register and, and provide that sort of information, definitely be creative and, and be specific if you have that option and, and you'll think you'll remember. 